Praise the Lord. Praise God. Um, let it, before I start, let's just turn to our neighbors. Uh, preferably, don't turn to your spouse. Turn to somebody else. And just say these words to them. Kabi. Uh, Kabi. Or. Osio. Sounds familiar? Does it sound familiar? Y'all thought I learned a language. No, I just know that one line. Kabio <laughs> Osio. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it right. But who knows what it means? Who knows what it means? <laughs> it means? It means who can question God? Who can do what? Who can question God? And then we ended up the praise and worship, very powerful praise offering to God by saying two words. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And that is a perfect segue into what we'll be talking about today, which is yielded. Today, we're going to be talking about yielded. Father in heaven, I just thank you, Lord, for this opportunity again to be used by you, to be taught by you. Father, open all our eyes to receive what you have for us. Help me, Lord, to speak your word in humility and teach me as I'm talking to them because I too need to learn in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we're talking about yielded and just looking at the definition of yielded, right? Just so we get a, let's prime the ground for what yielded is and it is to give way Give way to pressure or influence. Give way to pressure or influence. Submit to urging, persuasion, or entreaty. To give up and seize resistance or contention. I'll read it again. To give way to pressure or influence. Submit to urging, persuasion, or entreaty. To give up and seize resistance or contention that is what it means to be yielded now as believers this is key because for God to do anything through you right he has to do something in you amen for God to do anything through you he has to first of all do what Actually, something is an understatement. He has to do a bunch of things in you. You understand? Because he has to equip you and prepare you for the work he wants to do through you. And this is good that he does it because, I mean, pride can set in. You understand what I'm saying? You go out there, your shadow is healing people. Pride can set in. Also, it could destroy you. God gives you a powerful ministry. You start spending time with your wife. Your wife is fed up. You end up in divorce. You end up doubting God. Your faith gets messed up. Five years later, you're not believing in God anymore. You understand what I'm saying? God has to, first of all, work in you. Chisel out the things that will cause destruction. 
before he can do anything through you. And believe me, before he even does anything through you, he will first of all test. He will test to see if you are ready for what he wants to do through you. And this is the key reason why being yielded to God is paramount. Because you're yielded to God not for what he will do through you. Forget about what God will do through you. Don't, don't, even, don't ever even put your mind on that. Don't go and be praying, God, use me. God, oh, eh, mm. Forget about what he'll do through you. What he'll do through you is inevitably, it is inevitably a byproduct of what he is doing in you. Your focus should be to yield to God for him to do stuff in you. That's what your focus should be. What does it gain a man to gain the whole world and lose what? Every time you hear that verse, you only thought about money, right? You only thought about getting money, getting fame, the women. No. It could also be getting, what, what, does, what does it profit me if through me, 5,000 people come to Christ, but I myself end up in hell? What have I gained? What have I gained? So while I'm burning up in there, y'all chilling, eating grilled chicken in heaven, and I'm just there thirsty, I'm like, what? I remember that guy. Like, I preached to him. I've gained nothing. What have I gained if through me a thousand marriages are saved but my own marriage ends up in divorce? What have I gained? You've gained. I've not gained anything. Amen? There's something my dad said one time in an airplane when... Uh, there's a crisis, they tell you to first of all put the mask on your what? Before you go and help anyone, you should do what? Help yourself. So, take your mind off of God use me and focus on God work in me. Because inevitably, when God works in you and tests you and proves the work he has done in you, he will inevitably do things through you. You can't avoid it. Amen? Let us go to Ephesians 2.10. And it says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. We are his masterpiece. If you've ever seen an artist painting or someone doing a sculpture, the one thing that they always ask is for you to stay still. Don't move. Stay still. You try painting somebody or doing a sculpture of somebody while they're jumping around, running all over the place. I'm pretty sure there are people who can, but I'm pretty sure it's exponentially easier to do it when they're just staying still. There is a posture that you need to have for God to work his masterpiece, which is you. For God to sculpt you. There's a posture you have to have. You can't just be active and doing everything. You're in this ministry, in that ministry, in this organization, in this one, in that one. Oh, I'm volunteering here. I'm doing, calm down. Calm down. There's a posture first. A posture for God to work in you and do things. 
And then when it's time, when it is time, he will open doors and he will do things through you. Let us go to Philippians 2.13. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. The desire to do what pleases him comes from him. And the power, the actual ability, the actual ability to do it comes from him. So moving apart from God is pointless and meaningless because even if you have the desire, if you don't wait till you have the power, you understand what I'm saying? Because we all desire to, to do good. Oh man, oh, I don't want to lie. I don't want to argue anymore. Oh. We all have the desire. But the Bible said the power comes from him. And part of that power is him equipping you. Please, I would recommend everyone go and listen to um, the weapons of our warfare. It was like a Bible study series that was taught here for like weeks. It's been going on for weeks. Um, you need the power. And Part of God giving you that power is removing weights from your life, chiseling out things, sculpting you, building more muscle on your spiritual body so that you don't just take that desire and go and try and destroy yourself. You take the desire and the power and you succeed. Amen? Let's look at John 15, 4. Remain in me and I remain in you, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Remain in him. Don't operate outside of what God has given you to operate in. Operate within the boundaries he has allowed you. And sometimes that boundary is to just sit down and listen. Don't do anything. Sometimes that boundary is, nope, don't go and teach anything. Just sit down and listen. That's the boundary he has given you. Remain in his word. Remain within his boundaries. Because he's still working. And when he's ready to take you further, Beyond those boundaries, he will. Amen? Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20 to 21. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his spirit through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. He has to make you complete. Are you seeing a consistent theme here? God has to make you complete. Please do not go in with that desire and zeal and passion and start doing things before God makes you complete equips you for it amen if any of the young people are here who play rpg games maybe the older people may not relate with this but let me speak to young people for a sec if you played an rpg game role-playing game 
right? You know that when you defeat an enemy, you get like gear, gear drops on the floor, and you pick up the gear, and you have that gear, and what that gear is supposed to do is equip you to fight the higher level enemies in the game, the stronger enemies, right? But you know that picking up the gear, if you went to the next level, you would most likely get one-shotted. Can I hear the young people say amen, if you know what I'm talking about? I can't be the only one here who plays video games. Yes, you will most, wait, if you play video games, praise the Lord. Hey, you people have disowned me, oh, chai. I'm standing here by myself. If you take that, that armor that drops and you just go to the next level, you will get one-shotted, meaning the first attack the next enemy does will kill your character in the game. You have to actually go into your inventory and equip that armor. You understand what I'm saying? There's a difference between receiving and equipping. There's a difference between receiving something and putting it on, clothing yourself with it. You understand what I'm saying? And God has given you all these things, the armor, but have you equipped it? Have you gone into your inventory and equipped it? And for you to equip it, God has to teach you how to equip it. Because you cannot do anything on your own. You understand what I'm saying? Not only did God give it to you, you also need God's help to equip it. You can't equip it on your own. You understand what I'm saying? And this is where this comes in because God needs you to yield so he can teach you how to equip these things. Teach you the stats of the armor. Teach you how it works. If you just say, oh, I have this level 20 sword and I'm fighting a level 6 enemy, you will get defeated. You will do what? You will get defeated. Because you need to know how to use it. You need to know how to activate the special abilities. All right, now let me switch back to the people in front of me. Praise the Lord. Since the young people just decided that they don't know me anymore. (laughs) Let's go to... Matthew 7, 3 to 5. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? We tend to be so focused on fixing other people. God, use me to touch lives. I want to touch lives. Touch. Touch. I just want to. Is this a life? Let me touch. Can I touch the life? But the Bible says there's a plank in your own eye. There's a plank. You mess around, you gouge out the person's eyeballs because you yourself can't see. You have to, first of all, remove the speck, the the plank in your eye. And that is the first thing. When God comes to you and wants to use you, that is the first thing he does. The first thing he does is work on removing the plank in your eye. The first thing he does is what? Work on removing the plank in your eye. Amen? So why should you yield to God? What are the benefits of yielding to God? In Galatians 5.16, you see that yielding to God helps you overcome the flesh. It says, as you yield freely and fully 
to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of the self-life. You become selfless. You stop selling fish. As you yield. Notice that it didn't say it comes by being taught. You see, there are benefits to hearing the word of God. And there are benefits to actually doing it. You understand what I'm saying? There are benefits to what hearing the word of God all the time. Man, God bless your soul. Sitting on that teachings day and night, day and night, day and night. God bless you. You listen to every pastor out there. Listen to every sermon. You remember everything they say. You take notes. There are benefits to that. There are benefits you will never experience until you actually do it. That would be like somebody going to medical school but has never treated anyone. You can always tell an experienced worker from a rookie, even though they've had the same training. Amen? I mean, all of you work now. All of you work. You can always tell who was recently hired. Right? At your job place, you can always tell who was recently hired. Even if... I'll even go as far as to say, even if they've worked 30 years in a different organization, when they switch to your own, those differences between your organization and them, you can pick up that, oh, this person was recently hired. Amen? Yielding to God helps you overcome selfishness. You're no longer pleasing yourself, those fleshly desires that you used to struggle with, you stop struggling with them. That is one of the benefits of yielding to God. If you find yourself, you're constantly struggling, struggling with the flesh, struggling with selfishness, it's because you're not yielded to God. Those things drop when you start obeying. You understand what I'm saying? Those things do what? It drops when you start obeying. Hebrews 5.14 Being yielded to God is how you develop your instinct or sense for the difference between good and evil. But solid food is for the mature, mature actually, mature, whose spiritual senses perceive heavenly matters and they have been adequately trained by what they've experienced. Is it by what they've been taught? Is that what the Bible said? They've been trained by what they've been taught, by a sermon preached up here, huh? by studying the Bible, by spending 10 hours a day studying the Bible. It said they've been trained by what? By experience. What they've experienced. I mean, when Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses, what does it mean to be a witness? What is the key thing that separates a witness from a non-witness? Experience. Experience. You can't talk to me about Auntie Meg's cooking is not good because she has cooked for me and I've eaten it and it tastes really good. You can't talk to me about it. I've experienced her cooking. Now you come to Kennedy. You say, Kennedy, Kennedy's cooking is good. I don't know. I've not, I've not tasted his food. I don't know. There's training that comes from having experienced something. You can talk about healing all day. If you hadn't experienced it, 
If you haven't experienced it, you can fill in the blank. Yielding to God, obeying God, is how you develop what the Bible says, your senses for heavenly matters. Somebody says something. There's no scripture, there's no specific scripture that says you can or cannot do this. I mean, somebody just comes and says, man, I want to go to this school. And in your spirit, you're just like, that school is not for you. You just sense what the will of God is. The Bible called it a sense for heavenly matters. The way you develop that sense, the way you develop that sense to become really skillful at that sense is by actually obeying, by experiencing the Bible. That's how you develop that sense. No amount of teaching, no amount of studying the word will help you develop that sense. Or it will help you develop it to a level. But there's a level you will never reach until you actually start obeying. Amen? Joshua 1.8. Another benefit of yielding, of obeying God, is that your ways will be prosperous and you will have good success. There was a part of this sermon that I took out completely. It was a part of a sermon where God was teaching me about good success and how good success is really just successfully doing his will. <laughs> but then my, my dad, in, during the men's conference, taught on good success. I think it was Friday. Friday I think it was a Friday evening. I would recommend you go and listen to that sermon because in that sermon, it goes in depth into what good success is. And I was just like, why should I preach on it? I should just come here and just say one line. Please go and listen to the men's conference Friday night because that was what was taught, good success. And then you will know the difference between good success and regular success. You will know something, Sha. Just go and listen to it. Amen. But the Bible says you make your ways prosperous and you have good success. And notice the, the operational word and, which means they, those are two different things. Being prosperous and having good success are not the same. You understand what I'm saying? They are not the same. A lot of times in this world, we equate, we equate um, pros- prosperity, money, succeeding in, in our business to good success. They're not the same. They're not the same. Prosperity is a byproduct of good success, but not all, not all pros- prosperity is necessarily good success. There are evil people who prospered in their ways. They succeeded in the evil things they were doing. Go and read up about Pablo Escobar. He was a very successful drug, drug uh, dealer. Not even drug dealer. The people that run the drug dealers, that run the drug dealers, masters, masters, masters. He was on the top. He, huh? What, what he said? What he said? I don't know. But what he said? Go and meet uh, Brokris after service. What he said? That's who they are. He ran a successful empire. By the world's definition, he was prosperous. He was rich. He had everything. But that is not good success. Because good success is successfully doing the will of God. That's what makes it good. But please go and listen to that teaching. Because man, when I say it, it's like... I, I had to just delete that part from my sermon. Because I felt that one sermon covered 
it and more and some. Amen. James four six to seven. What is another benefit of yielding to God, of obeying God? Another benefit is that you actually get more empowerment. You overcome worldliness and you put the fear of God in the devil. (laughs) The devil actually starts to fear you. The devil doesn't fear everyone. There was a pastor I was listening to where he said a lot of believers say, oh, the devil did this to me. The devil did this in my life. The devil did this. And he's like, let me tell you something. A lot of believers have never even interacted with the devil. The devil has just been sending like his minions, like demonic spirits. He himself has not even given you the day of the time. The, the, the time of the day, sorry. Has not given you the time of the day. Because you're not even a threat. You understand what I'm saying? If I have soldiers working under me, and I'm the most skilled, the strongest in my army, it's not everybody I'll be giving my attention to. I'll just say, oh, you, you're level one. Go and, go and harass them. I, don't, I myself don't need to go. But you read about people who the devil himself who say, no, demonic spirits cannot handle this. I myself need to go. When he said that thing, I, he was joking, but it made me think. The devil, if you read the Bible, you see that there is hierarchy in the spiritual world. The spirit said, Peter, I know. Paul, I know. Who are you? When Jesus came, and I forget which, which, um, which um, it, was, it was some demon-possessed guy. I forget, I forget what the exact story was. But the spirits, without Jesus saying anything, said, have you come to do what? Have you come to cast us out and destroy us? To do what? Who, who, knows, who knows what he says? Yeah, what, what you said. Have you come to do that? Jesus didn't say anything. He just walked, walked up to him and the spirits were already freaking out. You want to get that kind of reaction out of demonic spirits? You want to get that kind of reaction from the devil? You have to submit to God. If you look at James 4, 6 to 7, it says, but he gives more grace, more empowerment. That's what grace is. He gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You see, a lot of times I've always focused on the second two parts. Resist the devil, and he'll do it. He'll flee from you, but there's a pretext to it. Resisting the devil in of itself doesn't make the devil flee from you. Submitting to God. Submitting to who? To God. Then resisting the devil is what makes the devil flee from you. Somebody who is not submitting to God but is trying to resist the devil. How, why, why? Think about it logically. Why is the devil fleeing? Why? Why? That's like somebody who is not, who is not a policeman, who is not, you know, under, he's not under the authority of the police force, stamped, like stamped authority, coming and trying to give me a ticket. Who are you? The submitting to God is what backs up the resisting. So when you resist, the devil looks at you and then looks inside and sees a force he cannot handle. And that force is just giving him the red eye. You will die. You will die if you touch him. And the devil says, oh, my bad, and walks away. 
You want, to, you want to earn the respect of the devil? You want to put fear in his heart for you? Where when you walk, when he comes to your house, he's like, no, no, leave this house alone. Leave, please, don't even go there. Let's go to the next one. Submitting to God. Submitting to God is what makes you a threat. That is what does what, that is what makes you a threat. When the Bible says, touch not my anointed, that verse was not only for human beings. That verse also applies to demonic spirits. It also applies what? To demonic spirits. They're not supposed to touch you. And if you know that, hey, I'm an anointed, what do you think you're doing? They will flee if you're submitted to God. Amen? You see, the Bible says God resists the proud. And this is something that a lot of times, it it happens so subtly, but you may not catch that you're being resisted. You just find out that because you're not yielding to God, like you're not moving forward. You bring an idea to your leaders at work and they reject your ideas. And you wonder, wait, I don't understand why I'm constantly being shut down. I don't understand why all my ideas are constantly not being listened to. You don't know God is... I mean, there could be other reasons, but it could be God resisting you. It could be what? God resisting you? I learned that the hard way in this church. It could be God resisting you because you're proud, because you're not yielding, you're not submitting. Resistance from God comes in all shapes and forms. It comes in what? All shapes and forms. I'm telling you, there was a time when I was hanging out with some people and I suggested something just it was about a movie and i suggested it and they listened and then the scripture that came in my heart was if you honor me i will honor you and it was like god was telling me he favored me in front of my friends just because i honored him it could be something as simple as that just because you honor god you will just find that when you say something people are listening people are just listening god is just giving you uncanny favor that was the word used at the men's conference. If you guys listen to Jeffrey, because you obey God, God just gives you what? Uncanny favor. Your friends want to other Chinese. You say, man, I want Subway. They're like, yeah, you know what? Subway is nice. You're like, what? Wait, why are you guys changing your mind? God is favoring you. You understand what I'm saying? The reverse is, the, is also the case. You find out everything you say, nobody agrees with you. You come to your boss, you give a good idea. Mm. Somebody else comes, gives a worse idea, they take it. Ask God why. It could be that God is doing what? Is resisting you. God is resisting what? Resisting you. Because at your job, you're not yielded. Amen? There are other benefits I don't have time to get into. Like in James 4, 6, one of the benefits is favor. You get favor. You also get long life according, according to Deuteronomy 5.33. Just, maybe just do a quick Google search on the benefits of being humble, benefits of humility. And you'll see that a lot of things are just are tied to it. But the ones I've mentioned is that yielding to God, obeying God, is how you desensitize yourself from selfishness from following the cravings of your flesh lust all that stuff 
It is also how you develop your sense of telling the difference between good and evil. It's not by sitting under teachings all day and all night. It's by actually obeying. That is what sharpens that sense. It also gives you good success. You will find yourself successfully doing the will of God. And I'm telling you, when I say you'll find yourself successfully doing the will of God, I'm saying that, honestly, even when it feels like it's your opinion, when it feels like you're just doing your thing, you'll actually be doing what God wants you to do. What do you think the Bible means when it says the Lord orders the steps of the what? He orders the steps of who? And what is righteousness? How do you attain righteousness? You are righteous because of your faith. Your faith. Your faith in God. Your faith in God. That's what makes you righteous. You will find out that you just, it feels to you, it feels like you're just doing your thing. Like, man, I just, it just seems good to me to do this. And it will actually be what God wants you to do. You can't not do the will of God, even if you tried. You will be in that, I'm telling you, you will come to a space where, even if you tried, you can't not do the will of God. Because you're so submitted to God. That even when, this is what God said to Samuel. He said, the Bible said, God didn't let any of Samuel's what? words do what? Do what? Fall to the ground. What do you think the Bible says when it says, if you honor me, I will honor you. You will say a thing. And God will say, wait, who said it? He said it? He said it? It's going to happen because he said it. A lot of times, that's why when you go to um, your spiritual head, like a pa- the, the pastor or someone, um, for advice, and they give you advice on what to do, a lot of times that is why the advice they give works. Are you listening to what I'm saying? A lot of times that is why the advice they give does what? Works. Because God is trying to honor them. Because God is what? Honoring them. If you yield to God, if you're submitted to God, you will find out that the things you see, God will be honoring it. The things you do, God will be honoring it. Which means you will do, you say, who, who, who? This, this guy? This guy said it? That's the way it's going to be. I tell you the truth, because he said this, unless you people do what he says, it will not happen. You will see a lot of that in the Old Testament. Because a prophet said something, God will say, nope, that's the way it's going to be. Amen? You honor God. You honor God. You receive uncanny favor. You will successfully do the will of God. And you will receive more empowerment. More empowerment means you go from level to level to level to level to level. At first, you could barely trust God, like you were struggling to receive healing for yourself. Now you can receive healing for yourself. Then you graduate to helping people receive healing for themselves. Then you graduate to laying on of hands. Then you graduate to raising the dead. Like he keeps pouring more grace, more empowerment into your life because you're obedient. But if you're not obedient, you'll just remain on the same level. He won't move you forward. This is why you need to be yielded. Before I continue, I'll just read that definition again. Yieldedness is to give way to pressure or influence, submit to urging, persuasion, or entreaty, to give up and seize resistance or contention. Now take all that and apply it to God. So I know what you're thinking. When will this sermon be over? 
And some of you are also thinking, how do I yield? Well, to the people who are thinking, how do I yield? This is for you. Now, how do you yield, right? First of all, let's address the heart posture. Remember I read a scripture that said, you're his masterpiece. And when somebody's doing a masterpiece, they usually want you to be still, right? There's a posture you need to have. There's a posture you need to have for God to actually create that masterpiece, right? Now, what is that posture? The Bible says in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. You have to be all in. You understand what I'm saying? You have to be what? All in. On a mind level, which is like when you think, the way you think, on a heart level, which means, I mean, we'll get to that later on, but it has to be from your heart. From your heart, you have to, like when you yield to God, it can't be because you're forced to. It can't be grudgingly. It has to come from your heart level. Like from your heart level, God, I actually want your will, please. That is part of the posture. If it's not coming from your heart, God ain't painting nothing. You understand what I'm saying? If it's not coming from your heart level, God is not masterpiecing any what, anything. He'll put the brush down. He'll put his tools down and wait. Because that would be like me forcing somebody, like I'm forcing them to, to stay still while I, while I do my masterpiece. No, isn't that a crime? That has to be some kind, kind of a crime if I came and chained you down. Like, no, be still, bah, be quiet, be still, I'm painting you. It has to come from your heart. You have to yield on a heart level, not just mentally. You have to come to the point where no matter how strong an opinion you have is, once God says something, you say what? Yes, Lord. CEO, who can question God? Now let's look at Luke chapter 14, verse 26. It says, if anyone come to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life, he cannot be my disciple. He cannot yield to me. The posture you have to have when you're yielded is you have to hate everything, including your own life. You have to do what? You have to hate everything, including your own life. You say, what do I mean by hate? Well, the thing is God has a different language than us. God comes first. That is basically what it means by hate. If you look at Genesis 29, verse 30 to 31, it says, just, this is just to show you the language like how God perceives hate, like what he means by hate. It says, then Jacob also went in to Rachel. So just a background story for those who don't know it. This was when um, Jacob had served um, for seven years to marry Rachel, but they gave him Leah. Uh, and he wasn't too, too uh, thrilled about that. So he served another seven years and finally got Rachel. And the Bible says, then Jacob went into Rachel and he also loved Rachel more than Leah. He did what? 
He loved Rachel more than Leah, and he served with Laban still another seven years. Now go to the next verse. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. If you read the King James Version, it says, when the Lord saw Leah was hated. So, the Bible says he loved Rachel more than Leah. And we know that he did have some love for Leah because he had children with Leah. You understand what I'm saying? He had children with Leah. He did have some love for Leah. But relative to Rachel, Leah was nobody. He loved Rachel more than Leah. And according to God, in God's eyes, the way God described it is when the Lord saw that Leah was what? Hated. That's what Jesus means by you must hate your father, your mother, your brother, your own life. You must not love them more than God. God comes first. You understand what I'm saying? God comes first, even above your own life. We're addressing the posture, the yielded posture. Before God can really, for God to effectively do his masterpiece, make you his masterpiece, these are the things that need to happen. So you see there's a lot of like, you don't have time to be focused on what God will do through you. These are things you should be focused on God. Like, my heart ain't right. I want to be yielded. I want it to come from my heart level. Right now, it's just, I'm just doing it because I'm being forced to. Because my husband is dragging me to church. My wife is dragging me to church. It has to come from my heart level. These are the things you need to start bringing up to God in prayer. You understand what I'm saying? If you look at 2 Corinthians 9, 7. The Bible says, so let each one give as he proposes in his heart. Not grudgingly or of necessity, but God. For God loves a cheerful giver. You see, it said, it said not grudgingly or of necessity because you have to. Your back is against the wall. You have no choice. God, if you help me, I will, I will save you for the rest of my life. I mean, God will help you. But God wants to know that it's coming from a heart level. That this is what you have purposed in your heart. God, I am going to serve you. Your will be done in my life. It has to be a purpose, intentional. It has to be what? Purposed, intentional in your heart. That is the, that's the posture. That is the what? The posture. So, going over it again, your heart has to be all in. There's no like, no holding back. You sold out like, no, I'm all in. God comes first. You can't love anything more than God. You can't love hanging out. You can't love anything. Let me, talk, let me give you an example. You see like, you see, like with, with uh, Abraham, right? God told Abraham, you're going to be father of many nations. And then he, he did the whole thing with, you know, to get Ishmael. And you know, God wasn't, he was like, no, that doesn't count. And then finally the promise came. He got Isaac, right? When he got Isaac, they were chilling, having fun, playing catch, going to the park. It was all, it was all good. And then God came and said, Abraham, 
take your only son, the one you love, that one, Isaac, and take him and sacrifice him to me as a burnt offering. Now, God was teaching me about that. He wasn't just asking him to give up his son. He was asking him to give up the dream that God gave him. You see, God can show you a vision of what he's trying to do through you or taking you to, and you can't value that vision more than God. Because if Isaac goes, father of many nations is done. Yes, he can have children through other women, but God made it clear that that, that, um, that promise is tied specifically to the one he will have with Sarah. So any other children he has doesn't, won't give him that father of many nations. It had to be the one he had with Sarah. So as he goes, that's the end of the dream. God wanted to know if he valued the vision God gave him more than God himself. God can give you a vision. I'm going to walk through you. I'm going to make you mighty. I'm going to make you a millionaire. I'm going to this thing. And God wants to know if you value what he showed you more than him. And you can't do it. You can't value it more than him. And he will always test. He will always test to see what you value the most. And if it's anything but him, you have to repeat the process. He has to go back to chiseling things out. More time. That's a delay on the manifestation of the promise. Amen? Now, in a practical sense, how do you actually learn to yield in a very practical sense? Like, what do I do? Please help me. What do I do to increase my ability to yield to God? Well, if you look at 1 John 4.20, it says, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? You see, the Bible teaches a principle here. You are trained for God with men. You understand what I'm saying? You are trained how to relate with God with relating with men. Your relationship with men trains you for how you're going to relate with God. You understand what I'm saying? Your relationship with what? Men. Say your relationship with men. When I say men, I don't mean men, masculine. I mean men in general, human beings. Your relationship with men trains you, trains you for how you're going to relate with God. Say it after me. My relationship with men trains me for how I will relate with God. This is why God said, this is the greatest commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Then he said, the second is equally important. And what was the second one? Love your neighbor as yourself. Because we think that loving God is what teaches you to love men. That's not what the Bible teaches. It's the reverse. Loving men is what teaches you to love God. You understand what I'm saying? You understand what I'm saying? It's not loving God that teaches you to love men. It's loving men that does what? That teaches you to do what? Love God. That's why Jesus said this one is equally important. Because you ain't going to love God who you cannot see if you can't love Onyeka who is standing on stage whom you can't see. (laughs) 
you look at John 14, 21, you see that the Bible says those who accept commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. You see, the Bible, it, the Bible shows that a practical measure of love is by obedience. A practical what? Measure of love. Because love is something intangible. You can't, you can't touch love. But the Bible says you can gauge how much love there is by someone's willingness to obey. By someone's yieldedness. You can gauge it. You understand what I'm saying? You understand what I'm saying? You can gauge how much somebody loves you by their yieldedness to you. <laughs> Ordinarily, when people tell me I'm stubborn, but because you said it, I'll do it. That person loves you. I don't know if anyone here who was married and before you met your spouse, they were really stubborn. Like that was the testimony on their life. They're really stubborn, but when they came together with you, you're just like, I don't know. I don't see the stubbornness. I just, we just cooperate. It's because she loves you. Because he loves you. That's why. That's not the norm. You look at Mark eleven twenty five. You see that, and it says, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them, that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. Let's go to Matthew five twenty three to 24. And it says, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go away. First, first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. You see, before you show any display of love to God, before God accepts any display of love from you, right? The first thing he will do is check you on your relationship with men. He will point you back to men. You're coming to pray to me, but you have a grudge against this person. God, make it right. Man, yo, I appreciate the gift, man. Like, I really do. But just leave it there real quick. God, work on your relationship with this person. Because you're going to bring all that nonsense relationship things that you do, and you're going to bring it to me. I don't want it. I want uncorrupted love. You understand what I'm saying? I want what? Uncorrupted love. And the way you purify your love, the way you grow in it, the way you train it, the way you train yourself in just the pure form of love is by practicing with people. That's why you don't play with your relationship with men. You don't joke around with it. Because the way you relate with men, that's the, the same thing you're going to go and take and try and relate with God. And if it's not pure love, if it's not from a heart level, it will not work. God won't take it. You understand what I'm saying? God will not take it. So in a practical sense, how do you learn to yield? You have to learn to yield to man. Go and yield to man. That's how you train. That's where you go and train. That's the training ground for yielding to God. Go and learn to yield to man. But is it just any man? Let's look at Titus 3.1. It says, remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey and to be ready. So, remind them to be subject to, to, to rulers and authorities, to obey, to, to be ready for what? Every good work. How do you get ready for every good work? Go and subject yourself to authority. Plain and simple. How do you learn to obey God? If you're here and you're struggling to obey God, like there's always resistance. The reason is because I'm telling you, 
honest to God, according to the Bible, you don't submit to authority, human authority. You don't submit to it. If you want to learn to obey God, go and learn to submit to human authority. Your parents, your spiritual leaders, you should know when something is a yes sir moment, not a what is your opinion moment. Not a this is what I think moment, just yes sir. Everyone, everyone has yes sir moments. And you should know when they are. Yes, sir. Moment. Say yes, sir. Moment. Yes, ma'am. Moment. You should know when something is a yes, sir. Moment, and when something is a yes, ma'am. Moment. You will never be able to obey God if you don't have a human authority that you obey. That's what the Bible says. The same way you will never be able to love God if you don't have if you don't love human beings, you will never be able to love God. You will never be able to obey God if you don't have human authority that you obey. That's why the Bible stresses it. Honor your father and your mother from childhood. Stresses it. So in a practical sense, how do you learn to obey God? Subject yourself to human authority. Have yes, sir, moments. Keep your opinion to yourself. You understand what I'm saying? So that way when God comes and talks to you, you keep your opinion to what? To yourself. You will carry your cosy of the situation. You understand? If you look at the centurion, how did the centurion know how to relate with Jesus? There's no mention that the centurion sat under Jesus' teachings, but the centurion said, "Look, I'm a man under authority. I'm a man of authority. I have servants. I say to them, go and they go. I say to them, come and they come. So I know clearly if you speak the word, it'll happen. What taught him that principle?" His relationship with his servants. What taught him the principle? His relationship with who? With his servants. You don't play around with your relationship with men. I just, I just really pray that God really opens our eyes to really understand these things. The way you relate with men is the way you're going to relate with God. If you look at Jesus... Right? Look at Hebrews 5.8. The Bible says, Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Verse 9. Okay. Um, if you don't have verse 9, uh, we can go to Luke chapter 2, verse 51. Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was what? Obedient to them. This is referring, if you read the verse before, he's referring to his parents. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. He was obedient to who? The Bible said Jesus grew in wisdom, right? And stature. But he learned obedience through the things he suffered. He stopped being God, the ruler of everything. And came and subjected himself to who? His human parents. So when he came to God, it was very easy to obey it is very important that you subject yourself to human authority you understand what I'm saying those people God has put in authority over you, the government your mayor, your pastor your parents your uncle <laughs> just kidding that was a joke for Amara <laughs> you subject yourselves to them because it will teach you to yield to God. I'm going to give an opportunity to, to yield. 
if you haven't given your life to Christ. If you haven't given your life to Christ, or if you're sitting here and you know that you haven't really been yielding to God, there's always resistance. Whenever God says something, you say, but, yes, but. I want you to close your eyes as I pray with you. And then, after I pray with you, so I'm going to pray first for, let, let me pray with those people who feel like they haven't been yielded. I'm going to pray with you. And after I pray with you, I really want you to go and submit yourself to human authority. Please, if you don't have anyone, go and find, find, find the pastor. You get what I'm saying? If you don't have, that is a very dangerous life to be living. A life where you're not, so, you're not submitted to anyone. You will never be able to submit to God. Let us pray. Father in heaven, I just ask, Lord. I ask, Lord, that you help all of us, including myself. That we will submit ourselves to authority as this teaches us to submit to you. Bring us to a point where we submit to you at a heart level. Bring us to a point, Lord, where we don't question you. Where with you it's just yes, Lord. So that that way you can work out your masterpiece on us. You can chisel out the things that you don't need. So that that way we can live rich, full lives in you. And that way we get empowered to do more, to serve you more. Help us to be yielded to authority, God to not be stubborn, to not be proud. Help us to love one another the way you loved us so that we can love you the way you want to be loved, the way you deserve to be loved. And Father, for those who want to give their life to Christ, anyone watching online, you want to give your life to Christ, you could just... You can just pray this prayer with me. Father, I just, I just want to surrender my life to you. I don't know you, God, but I do want to know you. I want to know more about this love. I want to know more about your ways. I want Jesus moving forward to be Lord of my life. I am yours, God, moving forward. I am yours through and through. I'm all in. Work in me, Father. Create in me the masterpiece that you need to create. Mold me, Lord, into what you need. Help me to be yielded to you. Help me to subject myself under authority. I thank you, Lord, because I have the grace to do this. I thank you, Lord, because you've given me the empowerment to do this much. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and be my Lord and Savior. And put upon me your precious Holy Spirit. 
I thank you, Lord, because this is your will and you heard me. In Jesus' name we pray. God bless you all.